is sports arena and that can mean one thing there's time for extreme rewind thought it'd be good to feel heard music there yeah the production value is really going up and up isn't it we used to have music we did we used to have music but took away from the the rawness of it um but welcome to extreme with with talking in true ecw style it's true we could just play in the background and get away with anything Welcome uh, <laughs> to Extreme Rewind, your weekly look into the world of extreme from episode one all the way to 401 of ECW Hardcore TV in every pay-per-view and special and stuffy stuff stuff that we can find in between. You've got myself, Paul, and I'm joined, as always, by the one and only Jay. Pay-per-view, you say? I wonder if one of those is coming up soon. It's been very quiet and no one's mentioned it, so I don't know. <laughs> Big, biggest match of only 10 minutes notice, you say? <laughs> <laughs> oh, episode four, we'll get there. This week, obviously, we're still in 1997. We're in July to start off with in 1997. Episode 221. 222, 223, and 224, all on the WWE Network. You need to watch along because we are looking at ECW versus WWF in brackets E. Whoopee. Whoopee. Um, yeah, how you been? You all right? Yeah, it's um, interesting times, but um, yeah, it's, it's, it's good fun. It's uh, enjoying the distractions of um, ECW. Sometimes it's nice, as must as there was bits where you think '97 could be a bit of a clusterfuck with things. Sometimes, <laughs> at the moment, it's just nice to fuck off so back to Fans in the arena, yeah, just to fuck off back to 1997 and just enjoy it and invest in face masks, yeah, and PPE and hand sanitizer. Booyaka booyaka. Um. Yeah, 15th of July, 1997, episode 221. We are churning through these episodes, folks. The show starts off with a promo from Shane Douglas and Francine, who are on the beach, and I thought this was a fantastic promo. Um, I did. But... <laughs> There's a but. I, I question their swimwear. I question what his um, wrestling gear. Yeah, I mean, he's basically in his wrestling gear and she's in her underwear. Neither of those are actually swimwear. I mean, I was expecting at one point to for the camera to, to like pan down and him being in his wrestling boots with the tassels on because he just looks as if he's walked straight out of the ring, crossed the road and onto the beach. Which is probably what happened. ECW bash at the beach, motherfucker. Franchise. Um, yeah, he basically says that he let Taz beat him. He was fed up with carrying around that copper-plated piece of crap that was making Francine green. And from from this guy who has spent 11 months building this TV, this TV title that we have seen multiple times. Wow. Because he made this like the top title on the show. He's made this title legit. He's done all this. 
What After all that say? shit about one belt he's interested in and the only belt he's interested in is all the rest of it. And then Tuco kind of goes, yeah, but what about my belt? And he goes, no, I'm not interested in your belt. I want that belt. Tuco goes, you really should want my belt. And I'm like, no, I don't want your belt. I want the real belt. I don't want this piece of shit. All right, I'll have this piece of shit. No, you can't have this piece of shit. It's my piece of shit. My belt. My belt. My belt. And then, yeah, it turns out it was a piece of shit. And as soon as he, like, you know, gives it to Taz and lets him choke him out, it's straight to like, yeah, that belt's a piece of shit. <laughs> chuckle. <laughs> I can't lie. It made me chuckle. I thought he's so great because he's just like, so, right, I've done your job now. You build it up. Yeah, I mean, it's it's the weirdest thing in the sense of um, I I love that they've repositioned him already as the heavyweight contender. And yep. you've got to wonder whether that was the plan all along or whether the, all of this is the booking on the fly because Stevie Richards, who was meant to be in that spot and looked as if he was destined for that spot suddenly isn't in the company so I don't know whether this is kind of like a shit okay so we now need to heat Shane so we need that belt off and that's done we need him heating up on that that's done off we go um but yeah just just burying the, the belt just felt really weird it did but um it was it was one of them it's a very Shane Douglas thing if, if you could go all in and say, I didn't want that belt anyway, you might as well say, that belt was shit, I didn't fucking want it, go away. So I, I get it, but it was a little bit like, okay, you know, this belt still out, he's still out there, just calm. Yeah, I mean, it's it, and it's the it's the heel, you know, I didn't want it anyway, and I let you beat me in three minutes by choking out and stuff. Um which I thought was you know, good. Like, so you don't really see it again. That's something that people could do today in wrestling. You know, they could yeah. lose the Intercontinental title and go, oh, you got beat last week in like, you know, 11 seconds. And he goes, of course, dude, I don't want the belt anymore. I'm not interested in it. Yeah. And, you know, the, the two times that that jumps out in WWE, that, that was that, was um, uh, Shawn Michaels with the European. Um with was that against Triple H? Triple H, that was the original finger poke, wasn't it? Yeah. Um and um uh Austin with the Intercon where he stole it off the rock and threw it in the bridge and you know you can have that belt anyway because I'm after something else. Yeah. Yeah, no, it was good. I I that's how I liked it. I thought it was decent. And I um, mean yeah, basically as we said, he's announced that he's going after the world title on Terry Funk. You piece of old shit. And he's, <laughs> he's not scared of getting in swimming with the sharks. No, even though it was late. It felt late for a swim. But... Not swimming. Deserves a quiet night. Um, Styles and Rude talk about Shane Douglas and Funk's history quickly. That's fair enough. Which I think is well done because they do have quite the history going all the way back to crossing the line and blah, 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 blah. You know, actually the fact that they can go back and say this story has been building for four years now, I think is actually something they really should be doing. So I, I was, I, I liked the fact that they acknowledged all of that. Yeah. I mean, obviously there's still an early days promotion, but they do take advantage of their video library. They don't shy away from it. No. And Sometimes there are bits where it pop up and you think, I don't know why you're showing me this. Like a random 
Sandman, Kanan, Tommy Dreamer. Yep. Ten, ten yep. minutes before they're sort of tag team partners, and but it doesn't I'm relate. Right. No. Mm. But there's other bits run like this where you think, wow, you've got the bad blood from a long, long time ago. And the editing's very good on it because I remember living through those. Um, yep. Available in the archives if you wish to go back and hear. All free. Um, all free. All of them. Free. Anyway. Um, and the promo wasn't great. No. You about have the belt. I don't want your damn belt. Um, you know, it, it, it got, as with, we have said about ECW promos for 221 episodes now, sometimes they get a little bit lost. And and that one got a little bit lost in, in the crossing the line promo. Um, well, that felt like the, a uh, Terry Funk ablibbing almost, though. I, and that's part of the problem with all of this is I know that we are we are programmed to be anti-scripted promos, but not everyone can get their point across in a succinct way. Not every single one is a is a absolute home run of a promo. Not everything's a pipe bomb. Some of them are not very good. Um, and for me, their their editing's very good because they're taking away a lot of the the the, the kind of the, the the roughness of it. And being able to boil it down to its salient kind of points to move it through. Yeah, no, massively. So um, that, that's building up, and that's a nice little backbone of feud that sort of comes to light over the next couple of episodes. Uh, we then get Taz versus Hollywood Nova from the BWO, accompanied to the ring with the BWO, who remain in BWO. And my God, how the BWO have fallen. So it turns out that the BWO might not have been over. It might have been Stevie that was over. I was going to say, at the time we asked this question, was it Stevie that was like hot or was it the BWO that was hot? And we were very much like, mm, don't know. This one, the BW came out. Um, I'm not sure if they got the, like a... The crowd went mild. Yeah, the crowd couldn't give a shit. They weren't really giving like a fuck you chant, but it was just like a. It was it was recognised as the, the jobbers that they are. There was no there was no hype. There was no mystique. There was no cool factor. There was no. There was none. It was it was just kind of like, oh, here's here's these guys again. Yeah, but again, no, they they pushed Stevie too far away from the pack. I mean, initially when they all started. They were sort of, Stevie was clearly like the leader, but they were all on par dancing and it wasn't, they pushed Stevie too far away. Stevie started coming out without him and he got, I think they went too far the other way. And this is obviously the repercussions of it. So Taz comes out to face Hollywood Nova. Before the match, Taz grabs the mic, basically says, oh, I've noticed you're missing someone, making reference to Stevie not being there, calling him a bitch. Saying that now he's just driving, raving around and carrying his bags. Yep. But um, he Raven soon needed someone to drive him around in Atlanta. Yeah, yeah, but obviously we said about the way that Stevie left. I'm not massively surprised that someone took shots at him on TV. No, and, and there's a fair, few shots towards um, uh, Mr. Levy as well. Yep. Unfair, if you ask me, but there we go. Um, out of the two, definitely. So the match starts. Taz just basically beats the crap out of Nova. Sorry, I've taken it upon myself to eat something at most awkward times. 
That's okay. So it does, does a whole kind of, I'll give you a first shot. Um, so turns around and Nova drop kicks him. And then Taz just beats him up. Beats him in one minute, 11 seconds. After the match starts to rip the BWO shirts off everyone, basically saying this stable is no more. And I wonder what Meanie will do next. <laughs> I think Meanie wonders what he'll do next. So that was it. So basically, Taz just came out and destroyed the whole BWO, finished off that stable. And looking back, it was the right call. Because BWA's reaction was they were going to die a slow, painful death if they hadn't have done this. They would have sort of knee-jerked, put someone with them, probably, to try and make it something, and it just wouldn't have been cool. So, yeah, it's nice to let these guys go off and sort of find their ways. And they do all find their way, so it's good. Um, next yeah, up, we get the triple. Oh, sorry, go on. I was going to say, each one goes on for a fantastic career. Well, maybe not Rodman, but that's <laughs> who that guy is. No. I'm surprised they even brought him back. I literally thought it was going to be Meanie and Nova. I thought oh, they brought the Rodman out again. Um, triple Threat, Douglas Candido and Bigelow versus the Pitbulls and Bulls Mahoney. The Triple Threat do a nice sneak attack before the match, take, wiping out the Pitbulls. Um, it turns into just a complete beatdown. Until the gangsters' music hits for no reason whatsoever. Well, you know how the gangsters have this thing about sticking up for people because they're the. Oh, no way. Oh, well, you know that they've got the feud with. Uh, no way. Anyway, so the gangsters come out. The gangsters start to come out, then the Dudley boys take them out straight away. <laughs> destroy them. Absolutely destroy them. And that is the, the gangsters beat them for a little while. Yeah. We didn't get eight million promos. Show off this just turns to a massive promo. Yeah. Show. Um, I'll roll through the names quickly, and you can pick out any standouts that you have. New Jack obviously said some bits about what happened. Joel Gertner obviously with the Dudleys said some stuff. Brad Robin, Dan Sabu, Bill Alfonso. So the, the Gertner one's worth picking up because that's the story that plays through. So he guarantees that the Dudleys are going to walk into hardcore heaven as the champions. And if they do not, because they've got a match coming up next week with the, the gangsters in a cage, and if they do not, he's going to shave his head and his chest. Yeah. Um, and, and that's, yeah. Which is such a weird thing, but I guess for him it's a big deal. Um, we have Jim yeah. Cornette behind the WWE screen again. Obviously, mass-produced sort of actually WWE shot promo that sent over to him. <sighs> again, I just find it... I know it continues and they get more people, but it just, just feels... Um, it feels weird that it's, it's Cornette and Lawler are the main two leading this charge. Yeah, Cornette, I don't understand. Um, adds nothing. Apart from a shock of like, oh, Jim Cornette's in ECW, in an ECW ring. There's nothing else to it. It could have been anyone. You know, it could have been, you know, Mr. Fuji. It could have been Doc Hendricks. It could have been 
anyone it wouldn't have made a difference it was just someone who you know from wwf it could have been gorilla monsoon it could have been todd pentengill it could have been you know it was a face from wwf coming to do a spot and then to cut promo about how shitty ecw is speaking of shitty promo guys you know the blonde hair guy that keeps popping up every now and again yeah he works in he goes to on to work in wwe i think wwf I'm not sure if it's before or after, but he definitely appears in WWF as a um, on-air talent. Is that Lance Wright or? That, I think so. Yeah. Yeah, I think he does yeah. a little stint and then comes back. Okay, because yeah, no, I can't remember what I saw, but I was watching something the other day, and I was just like, "Well, there he is. Well, there he is." I just didn't really. I don't know. I thought he was just a. Um, just sort of turned up, did his thing, and disappeared, never to be heard of again. But um, yeah, um, Dreamer in the Sandman. Is this the one where they ask Taz to be there? They, they tell Taz to be their partner. So they got the triple threat coming up against Lawler, Sabu, and RVD. So yeah. they need a third man, and they're going through it. Blah 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 blah. And then they basically say, you know, so we're talking to you, Taz. Come on, brother. Come on, come and choke us out. Come on, brother. Um, and yeah, it must be because the match is next week. So, yeah. yeah. And then Taz is the last promo that goes, no, you're the ones who wanted a war with WWF. I don't give a fuck. I'm the champion. No. Taz is very much positioned as everything in the next couple of weeks. Yeah. It's, it's the um, TV champ rub, right? Yeah. He's uh, yeah, he's he's um, it's that pretty much brings us to the end of the show. Then it's the twenty second of July, nineteen ninety seven, episode two hundred and twenty two. All the do's, um, the match uh, basically. Uh, there's just so much happens in like these episodes. It was so hard trying to make notes of all these. It was just some of them were just complete carnage. Yeah, and this is what we said about hardcore TV before. Like you jump forward, you jump back, you jump forward again, and. Watching sort of these four in one hit was was that all over the place. But there's some great bits. So we start off in a cage match full of weapons between the gangsters and the Dudley boys. The and, cage um, found really distracting in this one. Yeah. It was it was a very kind of close net mesh kind of thing, close knit mesh. And it meant that when they did the cameras from outside, it became quite difficult to get a clear view in and see what was going on. It all kind of blurred a little bit much. Yeah, I mean, obviously, like later on, in other companies, they sort of like make little things in the cage sometimes so you can see in. Yeah. And make it easier. But yeah, no, it was, this one was awkward. And um, Gangsters picked up the win, but New Jack Hurt is back. Didn't he? And Mustafa yes. was beaten up. Get, was beaten up badly as well and taken out. So they won, but no one knows if they can go on. They at the won the battle, but did they win the war? This we'll find out in multiple Joe Gertner segments. <laughs> um, next in the crowd, we have an interview with the Blue Meanie, who is very much the Orange Meanie, as he is dread. Dressed um, head to toe in Daz gear. He's a complete Taz. 
Fun boy using all of um, Taz's lines and all this and everything. And then he was accused of mocking Taz and completely just ran off into the crowd. Yeah. And and, uh, Joey Styles sends Lance Wright out to follow him, basically just to get rid of Lance Wright. Yeah, to the WWE. Yeah. Um, Next up, we have your favourite promo of the whole week. (laughs) Rick Rude. Uh, yeah, so um, Rick Rude comes to the ring and announced that uh, after working on a night-by-night basis, he has been given and has signed a two-year deal. Which everyone in the crowd absolutely loved. And then the, the women he came out with danced and he danced and everyone was happy. <laughs> we rejoiced. Um, this is one of Joel Gertner's many promos with the Dullies when they sort of they announced that they're going to defend the titles against the best team in the world, the Eliminators. Oh, no, wait, we can't. And if the gangsters turn up, they will happily hand the gangsters the titles back because they're the yep. gangsters, bitches. Later. That was next week's. No, well, it was, was this one, isn't it? No. They did it three times. Oh, okay, maybe, yeah. I know it was definitely the it opened next week's. This is one where they, they tell you about they, they can't go against Eliminators and they've always been the gangsters' bitches. So if the gangsters turn up, they'll happily hand the titles back to them because the gangsters are so much better than them. And this is this is the first one they did because they did this a couple of times. Yeah, so they do it. I know with the episode four, I think it is, they do it on the stairs and it opens the show because they, yeah. they tell Gertner off doing it wrong. Yeah. Yeah, but no, this, this is the first time they do it. And that leads to Cronus versus Pablo thingy. Marquez, Marquez or something. Yeah, Marquez. Did you did you recognise him? Um, was this Rios? Nope. Oh, then no. But it was because they said about him making his ECW return, and we have seen him wrestle many, many times. Oh, it was um, El Puerto Ricano. Yeah, sure. I thought it was him originally, but the way you said it, because I know old Papachillo pops up at some point. Yeah. So I thought it might just be him. And I, I, I did have a moment of like, because he, he does look different. And it might, that, that might be because he's no longer wearing the oversized T-shirt over his wrestling gear like he did when he was El Puerto Ricano. Um, but no, this is um, El Puerto Ricano has gone on to, he's, he's now got a different name and he's back. And his win-loss record's the same, so that's good. <laughs> it's Saturn comes down with um, crutches and the, the crowd's basically just cheering for Saturn massively yeah. who has a new tattoo he does on his on his thing I've noticed it, it was the sort of rings of Saturn tattoo wasn't it yeah and um, uh, Rick Root brings attention to it as well mm. lost his shit because he got a new tattoo wait till he gets his face tattoo he's really going to lose his shit <laughs> well, um yeah, Pablo basically got a lot in early in this match. I I don't understand what they were trying to do with this match because not only did he get a lot in, he the, the finish of this is Saturn cracking one of the crutches over his back. So Cronus couldn't beat him clean. It was um it was bizarre. Because obviously I know he's returning and no one really knows who he is, but it, this place like said it was an easy way to have a quick, you know, three minute 
sort of Croner's masterclass. Throw him in the corner, do sort of like the handspring yeah. that you do. High, high spot, uh, high spot. Yeah, high spot, high spot, 450. You know, they're relevant, they're there. I just that feel so like, yeah. Hell, you know, you've got the best tag team on the planet, but one half of them isn't really all that. They've almost. No, sort and of... I don't know whether it's a, you know, thing about Cronus's attitude, because I know that, you know, the allegations of him being lazy and all the rest of it is why Saturn doesn't want to work with him and come back as the eliminators. But, um, yeah, just, just kind of call Cronus off something chronic by having him go 50 50 with, you know, a guy that's always been, um, you know, jobber in, in ECW. It's not like this is Sabu yeah. coming back from Japan after a bunch of time and therefore you're making it 50-50 even though the guy that's been loyal to you is going over. It's, it's you know, El Puerto Ricano's back. Yeah, no, it was a weird choice. I mean, the result obviously is right, but like I said, it was a weird, um, weird handling of the situation. It gave him way too much. I did... I did watch this and think, um, and the highlights of one of the ones coming up, and think, could Cronus have been something else? I mean, he's, he he seems to have a lot of the athletic and martial arts traits that got RVD over. Yeah. And, you know, partly because RVD's a heel at this point, but was getting a better reaction than RVD at this point. Um. Yeah, could you just heat him up and, and kept it going? Uh, it, it would be interesting to watch and work out kind of why he's never really been a bigger star than he was. Yeah, no, it's um, it's, it's true. I mean, you can tell this ain't not right with it all because I said he could easily have fitted in a similar sort of thing. With he's got all the ability in the world for a guy his size, he's he can be phenomenal. I mean, if you think about how they looked after Pitbull 2 when Pitbull 1 was on the shelf. Yeah. You know, he, was, he was competitive in matches all the way through. He was crushing people when they wanted him to. He was in, you know, title hunts. Um, you know, they, they, they booked him strong. And then you've got Cronus who, you know, they, yeah, just it's quite weird that they, they kind of put a limiter on him like straight out the gate. I mean, have him go against Devon and do 50-50. Absolutely. But, and yeah. So the thing about Cronus, he doesn't leave at any time soon either. No. No, he just kind of bounces around for a, around for a while. Yeah, he, he's on the roster for a good two years still. So it's... Um, yeah, it's interesting that they never really... I guess, like I said, I don't know. You don't really know the true story, but he just never really... One for us to watch, beautiful listeners. One for us to watch. I think so. Let's, let's come to the journey of Cronus. Next up, we have Shane Douglas versus Terry Funk. You ask, you shall receive. As simple as that. And this um, was a cluster funk. It was a cluster funk. The main story... It's worth shooting straight to the end of this one, I think. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's it the, the match in itself is kind of your usual kind of you know. It's Terry Funk Shane Douglas match. We've seen them all. It's not a knock on it. They're great matches, but you can't really 
sort of dissect it in the same and way. The finish is the, in itself that that opens up anything different. It's the finish that that makes it a different match to everything. Yeah, and it was, it was a weird finish. Obviously, Candido come out, got involved, nothing of it. Francine, um, Terry Funk looked like it's Shane Douglas a beat. Francine jumps on him and bites his ear. They're basically playing on the Holyfield Tyson incident, which would have been relevant at the time. So, But the ref saw enough with the bite on the ear, and that was too much, despite having interference before and him being all right with it. So disqualified Shane Douglas. Yeah, so that apparently biting ears, because it's such a blemish on sports, is too extreme for extreme championship wrestling. Yeah. The the bring your own weapons, the the, the cutting people open, the throwing barbed each wire. other tables, the barbed wire match that we're hyping up and building to, um, you know, a, a pay-per-view called Barely Legal, a pay-per-view called Hardcore Heaven, um, all of that, fine. However, the line is biting people's ear. It's just, um, I, I, I get, I get it. The Samoan um, gangster but... party tried to squash the the gangsters, crush the gangster's head with an automobile. Yeah. The public enemy and bad company had a match where. You know, if you hadn't freed your partner within a certain amount of time, they blew up and died. The infamous body count match is still out there somewhere. <laughs> One day. As a special watch, we'll go back and watch body count. I don't. I, I've searched for it. That's the sad thing. I cannot find this match. Oh. Um, <laughs> even if I just see a highlight video, I'll say, we'll find it. We'll get that. Man. Yeah, so, yeah, that's basically DQ... Match ends. Moving on, we have the cage a statement war. from um, Todd Gordon. Do you know what? I skipped his statement. It was like four pages long of just Todd Gordon ramble. Yeah, and uh, it was just that about how um, how you know it was a blemish on the sport, and this was too far. Way too far. So we get the war in the cage, Rob Van Dam, Sabu and Jerry Lawler versus Sandman and Tommy Dreamer, who is still lacking a partner. I can't lie. I thought the Sandman was absolutely smashed before this even begun. He walked into the ring. Yeah. He looked like, obviously, they had a little keg with him and they were drinking beers. But yeah, he looks sort of rocky as hell coming down for this. Yeah, I uh, their entire entrance was weird and then got weirder um yeah. when the, the mystery partner was announced. Um I have I have an issue. I have an issue with Tommy Dreamer. Um I have a t- an issue with Tommy Dreamer's gimmick appropriation again. So, you know, we were we were talking about how he he basically just emulated Raven and took everything from Raven. Um, and we were, we were, we were asking, what do you think he looks like? And it'd be interesting to watch him evolve when he hasn't got Raven to just copy. Um, and the answer is, he's just going to copy Sandman. You know, if you want to walk down to the ring and have a beer with the Sandman, I'm all for that. You're not the first, you won't be the last. That makes sense. Why you have to then also smash the beer can into your head and cut yourself open and just steal Sandman's entrance. I don't quite understand. 
Well, yeah, I mean, you never saw people doing it to Steve Austin, did you? Not unless they were a heel trying to get heat on it. Yeah. A, even a, then. Like um, uh, Milkamania. Exactly. But it's just, uh, yeah, no, it was, it's weird. Weird what's going on with sort of Dreamer still. He's, um, I feel like this, this feud is, is super hot, but cooled off all in the same thing. I just, I just feel like I understand ECW up for the war and all this, but they're in a stage where it's like no one wants to join their team. But when they were down, everyone was running out and getting taken out. So everyone has an issue. It's like one of those who shot Mr. Burns, like everyone has a motive kind of. Yeah. Everyone has a motive to be the people's partners. They have destroyed the whole roster a couple of times. Yep. Yep. And the way they were setting it up, it was bigger. It's like, you'd almost sort of think it was going to be like a, um, it could have been like a Shane Douglas sort of face turn. It was sort of going down because they unnecessarily keep getting Shane Douglas involved in it all. Yep. So he could have appeared where by like, you know. Or an ECW legend from a one night deal like 911 or, um, yeah, yeah. It's like I hate everyone in ECW, but fuck me, I hate that company more. Yeah, his you know, his his whole gimmick is: if anyone was to attack the WWE, it would be Jay Douglas. Yeah, Not- and and he even says no one hates the WWE more than me. Mm, then why aren't you there? Why aren't you fighting? Even if you turned them at the end, but yeah, anyway. Um, so yeah, so they basically get in the ring. Rick Rude then goes mental over in commentary. Joey Styles and Paul Heyman are doing their massive "What are you doing? What are you doing?" And he's just like, "I'll be your partner." Again, Axel Rotten, Balls Mahoney, New Jack, Spike Dudley, list, Spike Dudley, Mikey Whipwreck. <laughs> you know, there's people that could have worked in. This, but I understand Rick Rude for the pop of him potentially wrestling again. Rick Rude goes there, they give him a beer, yeah, takes so a sip. As part of this gimmick of this entrance now, uh, Bueller has pushed in a shopping trolley down to ringside a keg of beer. So they're pumping and uh, pouring beer into cups for them to drink before they go in the ring. Um, yeah, I mean, as you said, it just feels like they, they they were doing that in the back and decided to bring it out with them because they hadn't finished drinking yet. So I thought when he's filling up cups that were taking ages to fill up, I thought he was going to give them to like, the crowd. Or, or do something with them rather yeah. than just drink. So basically they gave it to Rick Rude. He took a small sip and poured the rest over his head. Dream and Sandman got in the ring. Rude followed. Rude promptly turned on them both. And, but then as the story unfolds, it's even more confusing why Rude turned on them. Mm. Because I, I thought Rude turned on them because he's going to announce that he signed a two year contract with WWE. Yes. No. Because he announced he had a two year contract, but it wasn't with, but it wasn't. He's turned on them to then 
align himself with Shane Douglas and the Triple Threat, who then come out and sort of help the WWE take all these guys out. Yeah. For which Funk then runs out. Funk then runs out and... Gets beaten up by the six people in the ring. I think Shane just sort of like pushes him and his knee just gives out and he falls over. (laughs) Which is rough, but it's just... um... Yeah, so Funk gets taken out as well, even though he tries. Um, but again, it's... Dreamer gets but this... crucified again. Yeah, of course he does. Um, and just destroyed. Um, Sandman, who is this hardcore icon, you know, wrapped himself in barbed wire and jumped onto people and stuff like that. The, cha- the, 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 the cane-swinging, you know extreme icon um, basically gets taken out on all of these beatdowns really quickly and then just lays there. Yeah, but also going back to what you said, like, I didn't even think about this. Terry Funk's there. He's the World Heavyweight Champion. Yeah. He, before Bay Legal, his whole promos were just like, our way, our way, our way. Was he not surprised, tag team partner, to defend the company that he is the champion? I don't for. know if him and Tommy are that closer relate. Oh wait, no. Yeah, no, I see. I don't know who is Sam and oh wait. And then that would have made sense for the triple threat to come out and get involved. Yeah. Because Shane's just like, I can give a fuck about your guys' feud. I want that guy. I want the world heavyweight title. I want Terry Funk. You guys do whatever you want to do. That's not my problem. Yeah, if you want to go, and if you want to go and you know fuck off to WWE, good luck. It's a piece of shit, and you'll be back. But I'm not going to stand in the way. Yeah, yeah. So Funk could have been the mystery partner, but it was important for Rick Triple Threat. Turn. <laughs> oh God, it's like I love it. I was so excited about this angle, but it's just. Feels incredibly overbooked now. Well, especially with the next bit. Yeah, so basically he um, leads to the end of the show. Rude turns and then the show ends. We go to 29th of July, 1997, episode 223. The show starts off with the cage match we've just seen. Um, Then we get into more detail, all the situations... So triple threat taking out the funk. Um, obviously, RVD, Sabo, Jerry Lawler taking out Sam and Tommy Dreamer. Yeah. Rick Rude get involved. We see everything but in greater detail. We see the continual focus on Tommy Dreamer's testicles. Yep. True. And everything's going on. Everything's going fine. Then Taz's music hit and Taz comes out. He suplexes Candido into the crowd, which I fucking love, by the way. I thought that was cool. I thought it was such a great, like, walk into the ring, throw him in the crowd, move on. Gets into the cage. RVD and Sabu climb over the cage and leave. As does Bill Alfonso. As does Bill Alfonso, leaving Jerry Lawler in the cage with Taz. Um, He begins to choke out Jerry Lawler. Then the triple threat all dart in the ring and Jerry Lawler gets a couple of shots in, cheap shots, punches yeah. in, you know, the, the famous Lawler punches. Um, hits a, 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 a suplex of his own. 
I want to say it's a suplex. Yeah, it's a be- uh, belly to back suplex. Yeah, it's, it's a, and, yeah exactly. Uh, like a yeah a backdrop kind of suplex, and um, uh, then uh, Taz just jumps straight up, and Lola yeah sells the the fear on his face ridiculously. That's it. So and then triple threat all dive in there, destroy Taz, Tommy Dreamer, and the Sandman. Um, I loved it when Bigelow poured all the beer all over Taz. Yeah. That felt like a really simple, but with dominant heels that don't give a fuck or respect anyone kind of thing. Yeah. So I liked that. Um, I don't, I, I struggle to understand how it is WWE versus ECW to the triple threat taking out the whole of ECW roster. So then. We've got Bueller in the back getting stitched up and, and fixed because she's bleeding. Uh, we've got Axel yeah. and Balls dragging Tommy Dreamer. We've got, we've got a bit before that. We've got a bit oh. before that. We've got the Rick Rude promo first. Oh, yeah. Rick Rude basically comes there. He's facing the wrong way. He introduced, he's got amazing heat. Everyone's going mental for him. He introduces the triple threat. And I must admit, triple threat did feel like megastars walking yeah. out here. Yeah. Uh, quick promo from Shane Douglas and everything saying about giving Rick Rude Francine and Francine basically grabbed the mic and said you'll call me a whore anyway so the trick's on you and uh, that's when we get another quick recap again of everything we've seen and then we go to out the back bit so sorry that's right. Um, yeah it was a really weird um, promo um, but there we go um so Bueller's getting stitched up. Tommy gets dragged in and they're going, Doc, Doc, you need to look, Doc, Doc, man down, Doc, man down, Doc, man down. He's like, well, fucking she's... Oh, I love... You know, it's not like I'm seeing it on my fucking phone. I'm stitching up the other one. Um, Taz storms in. Um, Balls and Axel are suddenly defending Tommy Dreamer, going, oh, no, 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 we don't want any trouble. He's had enough. He's had enough. Crazy, where you... Man down, Taz, man fucking down. watching. You, you obviously were around because you've been able to pull him from ringside and pull him through. Did you not see that that's, he's not been beating up on Tommy Dreamer? Um, and then Taz announces that it'll be his partner. It's the fact that, like, they're saying, don't do anything, Taz, man down, man down. And like you said, Taz just clearly went out to help them, while these two didn't. Or took one hit and ran you away. Know? Yes, yeah. I mean, you could have almost had a thing where, maybe not the triple threat, but they could have had Tommy Dreamer in the thing and music kept hitting of people who wanted to be the third man running out and each time got taken out. Yeah. So Axel Rotten's music hit come out, you know, Bigelow and that were there, beat the crap out of him, threw him to the side. They still don't have a partner. Um, Mahoney's music hit, so on and so forth, until eventually Taz's music hit, and he managed to cling through and get in there. Oh, it's just so many things. Just, just yeah. Um, RVD's in action. Next, makes his way to the ring, grabs the mic. <laughs> says, "This is actually great." I, I love this. Says about not wanting to wrestle on this show. 
And while Bill walks up, he goes, yeah, especially against it's, you. Yeah, so, you know, he's a premium <laughs> premier athlete who works Monday nights. Um, he is a weekend late night thing. Um, you know, whoever thought he would be willing to work on like a weekend. Um, so, no. Um, uh, especially against, you know, the likes of you. No offence. Um, which was just brilliant. It was just such like, obviously such a little ad lib, but it was just great. I just thought like poor sort of Wild Bill's debut just absolutely shot down. So Sabu takes a match and basically just kills this guy. It's like a highlight reel with Sabu. Yeah. Absolutely just sort of murders Wild Bill and gets the um, win. We get highlights of Buffalo show. Um, same sort of things that you expect really. Just all the sort of matches, quicks, let you know about going ECW live, really. And I think the highlight on this one is Cronus and um, beating Spicoli. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, yeah, so, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll continue to follow that one because uh, Spicoli's... I, I think there's parallels between Spicoli and Cronus in regards to just how much faith they seemed to lose. Oh, massively, massively, because both of them, like I said, positioned initially very well and slowly just falling further back. Um, Primo from Rob Van Dam, Sabu and Bill Alfonso. Swear Rob Van Dam, did he talk about who's going to face him at the pay-per-view? Yeah. He sort of touches on that briefly. Because this is when they basically announced that the Pulp Fiction promos are back. This is like a big thing. Yeah. We get Chris Candido promo. Which was good. Taz promo. You know, the Candido promo was good. You know, you say you're an ECW original. I was here when you were still jumping around with fur on your boots. Well, jumping around wearing fur. Uh, But where's my chant? Where's my chant? Where's my whatever? I, like I said, I'm, I'm loving Candido. He's a massive standout for me most weeks now. And this was the promo that led to... So isn't this the one that was like, you know, and I signed the contract, Taz. This moment that was put in front of me, I signed the contract. What are you doing? Where are you? I've signed my contract. I was like straight away. And then he opens his locker and there's the Taz towel. It is. And he goes, who's, put, who's been in my locker? Who's put this there? And he moves the towel and the contract's been signed in blood yeah. or whatever it was. Which I loved. Oh, that's good. Um, and then you've yeah. got the, the Taz interview. So he's walking out and they call him back for an interview. And he says, you know, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, I, I signed it in my blood. And the only bit on this I hated was he's, he's got his finger taped from where he's cut his finger to sign this. And as he says, you know, I've signed it out with blood. He's kind of got his finger and he's kind of brings it close to his, his mouth. And then he just kisses his finger better ever so and then kind of goes on with it. And it's kind of like, you're a fucking killer who's cut his finger open to sign in blood and you're kissing it better because it's got a plaster on. Um, and then as he walks out the door, um, he says, you know, Chris Candido, beat me if you can. And then the door closes and he screams through the door. Which I think is the first, <laughs> the first proper use of that catchphrase, isn't it? Um, I think it must be because he hasn't really 
thought anyone said like to get it in no. there. It would only be Saturday. Yeah, and, and they've been playing with some of them, like you know, the, the Path of Rage and the One Man Crime Spree and something else. But I think yeah, he would, he'd only used it against Sabu if he'd used it. It wouldn't have been yeah, just for no reason. And the bit that I had an issue um, with with that last shot was I, I thought that was fine. Um, uh, I you know love the line obviously. Um, his delivery on it wasn't bad. But if you're going to do that, then tr- please try and work out how you're going to do it so you don't see the reflection of the cameraman in the window, in the glass, as he's talking back to you, because it just put me off completely. Yeah, agreed. It was a um, schoolboy error. It just takes you at the moment for a brief it's second. Just... I know it's like splitting hairs, but it just, it does. It, it and again, it's, it's, it's a completely pre-produced show, just that kind of like, Mm, let's let's try that again. See if we can get the reflection. Not the reflection. Yeah. Oh, for fuck's sake, Phil. Let's try it again. Oh, no, we've we, we've got your reflection. Go again. Try try ever so slightly differently. Yeah, it wasn't wasn't a hard promo to redo. Um, New Jack does a quick promo, but gets jumped by the Dudley Boys. Eliminators help him. Show ends. Yes. Which takes us to the 5th of August, 1997, episode 224 of ECW Hardcore TV. The show starts off with Rick Rude in the ring um, with the triple threat. Obviously talks about the deal sorted out of Francine and stuff like this, how Tommy Dreamer offering a beer, Shane Douglas offers him this. I don't understand this offering thing because Rude just didn't have to get involved. No, it it makes it makes zero sense. But I did love the way Rick Rude put over the triple threat here. Yeah, I was a great fan. Where it's just like, look at the people I'm surrounded by. No gimmicks needed. Chris Candido, you know, the Beast from the East, Bam Bam Bigelow. You know, next heavyweight champion, the franchise, Shane Douglas. It was all very. It was yeah. You know, put this group on a pedestal. It's a hype, isn't it? And I love the fact that ECW getting over this group every week, almost like introducing yeah. them. I think that's kind of really cool. The world, like, boom, right here, Chris Candido, boom, bam, bam, and triple threat match, triple threat right. matches, triple threat matches, triple threat matches. Six yeah, matches. this is. You can see how like this is the best version of the team. These guys actually feel like mates. They're all on the shows together. There's no awkwardness. The other ones were never, uh, never wrestled any matches together yeah. at all. So to have this works out well, and it worked out, got them over massively. Um, next up, we have Rob Van Dam versus Mikey Ripwreck. It was a fun match, but not really a lot to take from it apart from Rob Van Dam won. Yep, pretty much it. Get another promo by Rick Rude. Phew. We didn't get a promo by, yeah, promo from Shane Douglas. He's interrupted by Bill Alfonso, Sabu, and Rob Van Dam. Yeah, so this is the this is the weird him as a face promo because he's in Pittsburgh, isn't he? Yeah, it's it's the it's the Bret Hart in Canada before yeah. it was cool. So, you know, he, he 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 basically is a face for this crowd and they love him and throwing up the triple threat signs and 
all the rest of it. And he, he you know, he sells himself brilliantly. He, he um, you know, he's not the franchise because he's the best wrestler in this company, although he is. And he's not the franchise because he's the best looking guy in this company, although he is. And he's not the franchise because he's the most decorated, although he is. He's the franchise because he leads the most dominant force, which is the triple threat. And everyone throws up the three fingers, um, which was really cool. But this is, again, you know, the bit I didn't like about this is it was back to, you know, and all the people who won't wrestle me, Shawn Michaels and Dick Flair and Hollywood Hulk Hogan. Okay, you're back to hating the the, the companies, even though you have no problem with them being next to you. That's it. It's like you can't hate this much on the WWE, but you're the one who stopped the WWE getting the crack picked out. Yeah, you're, you're, you're in essence siding with the WWE. Yeah, you were there with them side by side, beating up the ECW hardcores. Very, very strange. Um, Terry Funk comes out and basically says he doesn't have to swear and call Shane Douglas doo-doo. Wish he swore. Yeah, no, it's just like, oh, it's just so, gee, shit. <laughs> I think then Shane Douglas tells him to go fuck himself or something. He, he, Basically, it's <laughs> basically, yeah. it? It basically just like, oh, I don't have to swear to be cool, you know, you're doo doo. Chain Lewis has got the mic, and he was just like, fuck you, old man. <laughs> Which, again, this crowd, <laughs> you know, they, they were all there for Shane, they ate that up, and your, your face champion is getting made to look like an absolute dork by your heel. And he's heeding on Pittsburgh an awful lot. Yeah, I mean, they got this weird kind of yeah. local double switch. and Yeah, which... Except... It just yeah. feels... Feels a bit weird. Um, it all breaks out into a brawl. The wrestlers sort of come out and everything. We get a quick little taste of Jason, who is back. They ask if Shane Douglas win, if Funk will win. More importantly, do we like his suit? Yes. It was just yep. funny. Promo from Rob Van Dam. Who is he going to face at the pay-per-view? And he talks about Sabu versus Funk in a barbed wire match this Saturday. Just dropping yeah. that out there. Just One for, of them things. You know. Oh, by the way, no feud. No bills. Uh, Sabu versus Terry Funk. Yeah. Sabu versus Terry Funk barbed wire match this Saturday. So these are Tuesdays, aren't they? So, yeah, this is like five days worth of hype. For, not, like I said, I, I, I understand they couldn't put this on pay-per-view, but like I said, these two aren't even suited. So, Again, if Terry Funk had been the mystery partner, yep. if he'd helped and they'd left him lying yep. and Sabu had done something off the cage, he could have been like, justification to like, fuck you, Sabu, barbed wire match, I'm killing you, boy. Yeah. But he didn't get involved. His issue is 100% with Shane Douglas. Yeah. So why would that steer you to the most brutal match they've only done like four times before for no reason? When Sabu like hasn't even... Maybe like yeah. he won. It's just so, so... So I know we will spend a lot of time talking about this next week, but I don't understand why... I understand why you can't do this match on pay-per-view. I get that. I don't understand why you do it the week before the pay-per-view. Yeah. It's 
just um but i did this before didn't they used to have their super shows but like the night before the super show it would be like public enemy versus uh ian rotten and that and exploding triple death match but on on the super show straight up um, yeah them against yeah against like taz and you know kevin sullivan in just a normal match even though that's been the feud the whole time (laughs) The night before, there's this triple exploding and death. Some of that match. was these these things seem to be like you know double headers. So it was like the Friday night and the Saturday night shows. But yeah, why why is the Saturday night the super show if the Friday night has got the headline main event matches? Yeah, but it feels like the, the main feuds are just like straightforward matches, like Shane Douglas versus Terry Funk is just leading up to be a normal match. I know, obviously. You know, um, Douglas don't do the barbed wire and all that, but it's you know it's just leading up to be a normal match. When this is the one where he'd want to have barbed wire ropes, not to you know to keep other people from getting yeah. in. You know, this should be the cage. Yeah. You know what I mean, but it's not. That's just leading up to be a title match when you're randomly going to fight Sabu in this most brutal match. And you know, spoiler alert, it's a fucking brutal match, which we may talk about at length next yeah. week. We will do. And, um, yeah, so that gets announced. Show New Jack getting jumped again. Promo from Joe Gartner and the Dudleys. This is the one you referenced before with them being on the stairs. Yeah. It's the same stuff. <coughs> same stuff that we saw earlier on about them being they didn't make, uh, gangsters, bitches, and all this. And if they turn up, they can have the belts. Um, promo from Jason again. Will Taz choke out Candido? Will Candido took out Chaz? Well, who cares? And obviously about Jason. But Chris Candido versus Spike Dudley. Taz's music's playing, I'm assuming. Um, and Chris Candido comes out in Taz's gear with a towel over his head and all this. Really like this. Yeah. So basically goes on dressed like him. Doesn't really wrestle like him. Does his normal match. Um, Candido looks great. Ends up winning with the blonde bomb. Probably the best blonde bomb we've seen because Smike's a smaller guy. Launches him across the whole fucking ring, yeah. basically. Unreal. Spike, and, and this comes up again in the the triple uh, the six-man in Lua. Spike just sells like such... Yeah, just amazing. He really does. I mean, he, yeah, just... Phenomenal. We then get a promo by Taz. This is one of my favourite promos of all the episodes we've seen. He basically praises Candido, then cuts a promo saying, I'm not mad, Candido. You know, you can't get, you know, you expect, you know, Sabu didn't get me mad after everything we've been through. Just business. And someone ran at him and hit him with a suplex and continued the promo. Someone ran at him and he's like, hit with a suplex. Yeah. And eventually, as he goes on, he's like, you know, maybe I am mad. Maybe I do need to go. And he's just basically getting madder and madder and madder as it was. And this is like, um, this is a pretty hot feud at the moment, I think. There's a nice little sort of build to it. So that's that's a nice little part from Taz. Um, We then get a video sort of showing the most brutal match happening. So, obviously, Terry Funk versus Sabu happening. 
And then the pay-per-views the week after, they would get a promo from Terry Funk. My God, doesn't he go on? He does go on. This is where he runs down Pittsburgh um, an awful lot, which makes even less sense when he's not even in the arena. <laughs> and I don't even think the event's going to be held at Pittsburgh. Right? It's just so weird. He's just attacking Pittsburgh for no reason. He's the motherfucking face. Oh, wait. Oh, wait. Except in Pittsburgh. Except in Pittsburgh. Yeah. Um, and that was that. What did you think this week? Um, messy. It is messy. It was, it was a lot. It was a lot. I mean, obviously we cover four episodes at a time and most of the time that's fine because ECW a lot of the time works in like sort of four-week sections. You'll have stories that will go along four weeks and to the way this has, but the the way they sort of jumped about and thrown stories entwining and all this all over the place, it, it was a very complicated week. I didn't understand... Shane Douglas' involvement with the no. WWE. I didn't understand Terry Funk's lack of involvement with the no. WWE. Uh, Taz wants to fight the WWE, but he shouldn't be because he's already feuding with Candido, so he has no need to get involved yep. in that. When there's probably even some sort of history between Lawler and Funk that they could bring up. There must have been somewhere. Oh, God, yeah. It must have been, you know, around the horn a few times, yeah. There must have been some sort of... So it was very much just like everything's plodding along everywhere and you just sort of sit there and you think, I don't know what's going on. I don't know why the gangsters were going to come out and take out the triple threat because the triple threat took out the pit bulls. Yeah. Everything was just... Who, again, vanished. Everything was just done for a reaction. Yeah, Felt like everything was done for so, reaction. I mean, the people, either of them could have stepped up and helped. ECW. I mean, it feels like the that they're obviously trying to heat up Shane Douglas and with the triple threat and them kind of just running rush out of things. And that makes sense. And I understand that. And that's fine. Um, you've then got yep. the WWF ECW angle, which now seems to have pivoted to be heating up Taz. But yep. to heat Taz up, you're destroying Tommy Dreamer and Sandman continually. I mean, th- yeah. there's not a there's not one point here where they've given anything that makes you think. Apart from at one point, he turned up. Uh, Tommy Dreamer turned up in Memphis and got a little bit of revenge on Jerry Lawler. There's nothing that makes you think that they stand a chance. You've not seen them be competitive in any way, shape, or form. They've been absolutely destroyed every single time so and it's one of those I was going to say it's one of those weird ones where if you know they do have a final match and Dreamer wins it you can't necessarily say they won the feud which is him and Raven all over again he just yeah he just won the the last match you know I've won the feud well actually it's 120 to 1 so you know, unless we're playing last goal wins suddenly in wrestling, I don't understand how that works. Um, but yes, yeah, so you've, you've you've got you know Taz as this killer. Is he even more of a killer now than he was before this? 
or is it just kind of convoluted because it's like, I don't care, I'm not doing anything, I don't care, I'm not involved, I don't care, I don't get right out. But again, the perfect way of working this was the initial one where the lights went out and they appeared and they took out everyone and everyone until no one was left and eventually Taddy's music hit. Yeah, so... That, that, was, that was the perfect way so of doing it. So one of the... the the quick shots through the, the last episode was Tommy Dreamer's in the ring in an orange T-shirt. I didn't see if it was a Taz T-shirt, but Tommy, damn it, get your own gimmick. Um, they're surrounded by RVD, Sabu and Bill Alfonso coming in. Looks like he's going to get beaten down again. I mean, you know, the fact that he's recovered again after this hellacious beatdown after about a week, you know, good luck, good job. Um and after the longest, the longest, the longest, the longest, the longest time, Taz's music hits and he wanders to the ring. And yeah. it's just kind of like this, well, again, you know, I, I, you've said you're his partner now. So surely this whole kind of, oh, fine, I'll help. But surely that's gone now, isn't it? Because you're his partner. So you're literally watching his back because you've chosen to be... On it, you, you've entered this war now, haven't you? Yeah. So yeah, messy. I, you know, they're, they're hitting Shane Douglas up. I think he's doing a very good job. Um, they're hitting. They're trying to take all of this and pivot into to have it on Taz. I don't think it's giving him any, anything extra. You know, if 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 they're beating up, you know, so the the triple threat beating down Terry Funk and have helped. So, yeah. So Terry Funk comes out as the third person. Triple threat beat down Terry Funk. Yeah. Sabu, Taz and uh, Sabu, RVD and Lawler beating up um, the other two. Taz comes, other people try to run out to help. Can't because they get beaten up by the six people who are r- running roughshod. Taz comes out, destroys Candido and, um, gets some revenge on Bam Bam, Shane Douglas, Scarpers. That then means that someone else, like, I don't know, Balls Mahoney or, or whoever, kind of that, that level, Pitbull number two, whoever that kind of level next person comes out, can then come into the ring and yeah. just do enough to, to fight off RVD, Sabu and Lawler. You've got your three people over there. You've got your franchise and funk feud because, God damn it, you son of a bitch, you let me out. Um, and then you've got Taz versus the rest of the triple threat, which, you know, he's a killer. So, you know, him, him going up against Candido makes perfect sense. Now, massively, it's like, yeah, like I said, they've got the, the right people. Just Yeah, they're missing order. one. Yeah, and it just sort of it became all a bit. And do you know who that could yeah. be? That could be Crows, um, because he's doing nothing. Right. You know, the Eliminators were part of this. He's doing nothing at all, and you know, throw him in there as the third man. Keep him hot while his partner's away. The crowd love him. He's a massive fan favorite. You know, he can do a tatting thing or two. He was fucking dubbed Team Extreme two weeks yep. ago. Yep. Yeah, hundred percent great. Shot the crowd and 
hit the three D in uh, hit the um, total elimination in on Raw. Yeah. Oh wow. Yeah. Nah. Very true. Great shout. Would have really there you go. Twenty-three late years later, and we fixed it. Send an email. Um. But next week is exciting because next week not only do we fall on episode 225, so that is Mount Rushmore, we're also going to be looking at as much as we can from the Bond Speed Wires. As much as the advertising might not have been there, it doesn't mean that it's not a massive part of ECW history. So we'll be checking out the Terry Funk Sabu match 100% as much as the card as we can pick up, as well as surrounding episodes before we get to Hardcore Heaven. And it's, uh, yeah, it's going to be good. It's, yeah. it's um, going to be a deep dive into um, into to Born to be Wired. Um, yeah. uh, quite an interesting show. Yeah, I think Sabu, Terry Funk, I think that match will be the main focus, but obviously there'll be episodes that cover it. We'll be covering them as well and all this because it's, it's a big, 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 big match in ECW history. It deserves a little bit of love, you feel? And if you wish to follow us on our journey, you can do like you have done. Listen like this. Like, subscribe, please rate us. is much appreciated because it gets us noticed more. Also, you can go on Twitter and Instagram at underscore sports arena. That is us. We post daily. So it gives you nice little contact. You interact with us. We interact with you. And we build up beautiful, extreme friendships as we all relive this revolution. And yeah, so share so we can continue to build our community of, of, of extremists. Um, you know, get involved in the conversation about Born to be Wired. Have you watched it? Have you watched it recently? Um, you know, we'll share some some stuff of where we're finding bits and watching bits. Um, you know, get involved in the conversation. Yeah, I mean, we're going to be throwing up pictures and that, trying to get people's memories of that match. So. Anything you sort of write about it, we'll read And it. if I'm wrong and Cronus wasn't the right person, who would have been your third tag team partner? Oh, that's the question. Spike Dudley. He would have sold like a champ. No. He would have sold like a champ. Um, but yeah, 